Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Joe Zimmel and Valerie Friedman. Now, Paul, you've been my agent for 40 years. I trust you implicitly. It's Pete, but thank you. Well, the roles that you're finding me have one central problem. They're too much like Priscilla, the iconic character you played in Speak for Yourself, the beloved sitcom that ran from 1974 to 1983. It's almost as if we've had this conversation before. Not in the past two hours. Look at this one. Golden Boy by Clifford Odets at the Wintergreen Theatre. Everyone is going to remember the Boxer episode on Speak for Yourself, where I slept with Larry Storch. Oh my God, I slept with Larry Storch. Philip, fetch my pills. In real life, too, or just in the show? Oh, who can tell after a few centuries? What else is there? There's this revival on on the 20th century. Say no more. I can picture the reviews. Ms. Wolfe has not moved beyond the role of Priscilla in this play, which too aptly recalls the famous train episode, the one where she slept with Buddy Ebsen. You slept with Buddy Ebsen? Well, it might have been Ricardo Montalban, darling the pills, the green ones. Ms. Wolf, I'm trying to help you, but you can't reject every single idea just because it might remind people of Speak for Yourself. Look, there's a small possibility I can get you an audition for the next Star Wars movie. There's no way that's like your old show. Oh? What would I play? The queen of some swamp planet. Huh. Would I have to show my That never came up. See, nobody wants to see my anymore. Never get old. Percival, it's horrible. While I compose myself, listen to two actors who apparently have managed their careers better. And now people still ask him, weren't you kooky on 77 Sunset Strip? Colin McEnroe. Yes, ask me either that or was I in I'm Dickens, He's Fenster. Um, and actually, the the son of Kuki uh, is actually a, a TV anchor in this market. That's a little bit of a, a trivia thing for you. Well, we do have two fabulous actors who really have managed their careers uh, much better than whoever that actress was we were just uh, listening to. Richard Klein is with us, uh, and uh, so is Jerry Adler. They are starring together in The Sunshine Boys at the Jorgensen Theater at UConn. The show is going to open on Friday, June 19th. It's going to run through the 29th. Wow. You're going to have to hustle if you want to see this film, this uh, play, rather. Don't uh, don't hesitate to run out and get your tickets. Um, these guys are known for all kinds of stuff. They really have had the kinds of uh, acting careers that uh, that actors dream of. Uh, they've had iconic roles that, that you can't forget them in and then all kinds of chances to uh, experiment and try new things. And they're continuing to try new things. Uh, Richard Klein, who you absolutely know best for uh, playing Larry Dallas on Three's Company, will be playing Liberace for at least, and we'll be telling you about that too. Uh, Jerry Adler, you know him from so many different roles, Hesh on The Sopranos, or uh, if you're a fan of, of Rescue Me or, or The Good Wife, uh, maybe you know him from there. What you don't know are all of Jerry Adler's really young roles. And the reason you don't know those is that he didn't start acting until he was 62. Is that when you started? Uh, Social Security age. <laughs> Social Security age. And, and, and that, that in itself was an interesting thing. You had worked behind the scenes in theater doing everything, right? Everything you can do without stepping out onto a stage. Well, by I started that time. out as a stage manager yeah. on Broadway. 
His and, 50 shows as a stage manager on Broadway. And, and, and you wound up ad, uh, auditioning, I think, one of the first roles was for a movie with Joe Pesci? A friend of mine who was doing the casting on the movie said, listen, every time they describe who they want for this movie, they describe you. <laughs> so come in and I went in. I said, I'm not an actor, but I went in and auditioned and I got the part. And I read somewhere that Pesci initially wasn't too crazy about this idea that, you like, what, you know, what are you doing to me giving me this guy yeah. who doesn't act? A guy who never acted before. What do I need this for? <laughs> one of those things. So how did you turn him around? Well, uh, they all did a take when I walked in the room. And mm. uh, when I finally got the part, I said to the director, why did you do this take when I walked in the room? Yeah. He said, uh, you look just like my father. And I said to myself, God, I hope he can act. <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the way, as we go along here, these guys will talk to you, too. Our number is 860-275-7266. 860-275-7266. Richard Klein, before we get into uh, your long and storied career as well, let's talk a little bit about the Sunshine Boys. This is about a comedy team who are they're being brought back uh, uh, for for a new shot, uh, I think it's on television, as I recall. Right. And but the problem is they don't get along, right? They do not get along. They haven't gotten along in forty three years. The only time they talk to each other is when they're on the stage. Um, and it's a comedy special, the golden age of comedy, uh, on a major network, CBS, whatever it was. And uh, the uh, basically, for one reason or another, which you find out in the comic contents of the play despise each other <laughs> which is a great you know impetus for comedy well and, you know and I, I think yeah, that was yeah, taken from an, act, an actual duel Perlmutter and Potash I think was the name of the act Perlmutter and Potash yeah it's a they, real act yeah it was a real act in Bordeville no Smith they, and Dale Smith and Dale too Smith and Dale and Perlmutter and Potash they never spoke to each other on stage off stage. <laughs> Great together on stage. Well, how, how persuasive is that to you? I mean, based on your own experience in show business, I know that you've, just reading interviews that you've done in the past, you've liked a lot of the people that you've worked with. Well, Can you imagine trying to work with somebody you didn't like? Well, this I, works, this I like to think me. that uh, <laughs> I like to think that on the eight years I was doing Three's Company that, that John Ritter and I were, in essence, a, a comedy team, mm-hmm. and I, I could not have a, a nicer person, more amenable person to work with. And a person... By the way, who I learned a lot from, and uh, as we say in our business, stole a lot of <laughs> shtick from, uh, and perhaps he stole from me too. But uh, it was it was just a terrific experience. But you know, uh, at some points I was a straight man for him, at some points he was the straight man for me, and it never, you know, the comedy never flagged because we, we had such a, a good chemistry. You were supposedly the friendliest set in in, in television. At the I time, think right? so because actors who had worked on that show in, in, in after they had worked on the show and in, in, in ensuing years said I, we had the greatest time on your set. So and that's nice to hear. Who, well, taught, who taught John? Well, he he took a class with uh, Harvey Lembeck. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that's how it works. The great Harvey Lembeck <laughs> from yeah. the Phil Silver Show. That's right. The um, you've worked uh, Jerry with uh, first of all you worked with Jerry Lewis. Um, I mean, if you call it work, <laughs> yeah, it's more terror. It's called terrorism. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, this is an example of, of a team where I mean, it wasn't as though they never spoke to each other while they were a team. But when Martin and Lewis broke up, it was they actually had two breakups, I That's think, right. and they were acrimonious breakups where mm-hmm. they really didn't speak to one another for a very, very long time. Well, I directed him in a show called Hell's a Pop, and, and I was hoping never to speak to him again. <laughs> It was painful. <laughs> <laughs> and and Pop had kind of, well, you said it was up in Canada for a long time. And we opened at the, at, at the Expo. Yeah. I think it was night, The Montreal t- Expo? Montreal Expo. Wow. Was where we opened and closed. <laughs> we never came to Broadway. 
Matter of fact, they brought George. What's his the the, the, the big director George? Um, George Wolf. No, the big guy from Broadway. Mm-hmm. George remember. Abbott? George Abbott. George Abbott, wow, okay. They brought Jan- George Abbott all the way up to Canada to see the show and give notes, and Jerry Lewis wouldn't talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, you know, you also you also worked with another comedy duo who I think got along famously. You worked with Peter Cook and Dudley Moore. You directed Good Evening on Broadway. That's right. Now, what were they like as a comedy duo? I mean, I'm, I, I'm picturing two guys who are pretty wild off the stage, too. We wrote the show... In London, we had a, an office up in the Queen's Theatre, and uh, we and I had a little kind of tape recorder, and they wrote the show mm. as, as if they were on, on stage. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, it was a fabulous show. I mean, they, they put out uh, several comedy albums where it sounded like they had just sort of gotten drunk. And but, yeah, but these two guys loved each other. The, yeah. they, they spoke to each other. They, they loved each other. They right. worked together. They were a team. They were not like... Uh, <laughs> the two guys you guys are playing. A lot like Richard Klein and I. <laughs> <laughs> so, Richard Klein, it sounds like you have no model on which to base these characters. You, you've only sort of known uh, love and friendliness in show business. Well, the great thing is it's but, a terribly funny play. It's yeah. easy to do because it's really funny. Yeah. Almost, would you say almost every other line is a laugh? It's pretty funny. It's, I think it's one of Doc Simon's funniest plays, if, yeah. n- if, not, if not the funny. I mean, you could, you could argue the odd couple uh, – um, but I think Sunshine Boys is a classic. It's a classic. And you know what? It, it's also, it's very sweet. It's very tender at the end. And, uh, you know, that's a bonus. You know, it's not just one laugh right out of another. There, there is, there is, there's a relation, there's a relation. And as an actor, that's, that's meat to play, that there is a, a definite relationship. Yeah. Um, I, you know, um, I was saying to Jerry Adler before uh, the show that my significant other saw, saw him a couple of times in New York and almost went up to him and then kind of chickened out. Uh, and and you, <laughs> you see a famous person, you don't really know necessarily whether it's a good idea to talk to them. or. And, you know, I mean, Richard Klein, I'm assuming you still can't get through an airport uh, without somebody spotting Larry Dallas. What, is is what, that the case? What's amazing to me now, you know, I have silver hair now. Mm. Lovely silver, silver hair. Among the gold with the silver in the hair. With thing don't don't bring back Jerry Lewis memories for you. We'll have Stop it, please, Mrs. Adler. You're killing me here. Um, but, but what does amaze me is that, you know, I'm of a certain age now and I have this, this you know, white hair. And people do come up to It's not like in the past when I had that jet black hair, which thank God I was born with. But the people come up and they do recognize me now. But it's it's not pandemonium by any means. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's unusual? Yeah. Spending all of my life in the theater, mm. backstage in the dark, nobody knows who I am, what I look like, or anything. And then all of a sudden you're on television, everybody knows what you look like. It's a weird mm-hmm. thing when people come up to you and say, oh, I know who you are. Absolutely. And you have to be on your best behavior. Well, you I know, was trying. Other, well, yeah, yeah, you do because you're public property in essence. Mm. Well, yeah, I, I, that's what I was sort of asking. Is in, in a way, I mean, for example, my significant other saw you twice and was a fan and is a fan, and, and not only of your um, television work, but but also had seen you recently on stage. Um, but I think she was sort of thinking, well, you know, it's just he's walking around the Upper West Side where he lives, <laughs> and why should I? And she didn't come over and say hello. No, she's not. Why should I bother this man? He's it's his day off. Well, he's if not. I knew her, I would have gone up to her and said hello. <laughs> <laughs> so it would have been okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, Richard Klein, you've really had to deal with this a lot. I mean, when your hair was jet black, I would imagine yeah. it was just a kind of a constant thing. Yes. How, how do you, I mean, you, do you just sort of force yourself to smile all the time? And, and you, just have to, you just have to be nice. It, 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 
The only time it gets a little, uh, you know, out of hand is if you know you're eating, you're with your wife or whatever, and you're in, and people come up to you in the middle of a a, a bite, and you know, a lobster, and you're wearing a bib or whatever. <laughs> um, and then there's the classic. I'm sure you've heard this before. A person comes up to you and say, "You are. I know you. I know ah, you. I know yeah. you. I know you." And I go, and you just go, "Yeah, Three's Company." And they go, "No, it's not that." <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the. Classic. So you have to guess how they know you. Yeah. Um, even worse if you're wearing a bib and you're not eating. Lobster, <laughs> you know, right? It's uh, an even more difficult thing. Um, I, I um I wanted to, I do want to talk to you a, a little bit without it hopefully without becoming too um, emotional or or maudlin. You know, each of you have worked with really iconic actors who were struck down rather young. Uh, James Gandolfini, in, in your case, Jerry Adler, and uh, Richard Klein. You've already talked uh, mentioned John Ritter, but maybe you can say a little bit more about this guy. I mean, John Ritter. As, uh, it was a guy who really didn't get a chance to show us everything that he could do, but you know, you started seeing him later in his career and stuff like Sling Blade and stuff like that. And you think, wow, how yeah. old this guy John? can really do a lot. How yeah. old was John? He was fifty-four really? when he passed. Right? Yeah, wow. I, I, I was I'm obviously devastated. I mean, we hung out together the, uh, a month before he passed. We were at a Dodger game in, in Los Angeles, and um, he's just a, a, ter- a terrific guy, and and. I don't know. I, it's still it's really tough to make. for for a while there. I I couldn't even watch uh, episodes of the show. I mm. would just get the lump in my throat and whatever. And uh, I think about him <laughs> quite often. It's amazing. Um, but he was extremely talented. And yeah, you're right. He 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 probably had had a much more varied career ahead of him. Although I I think he was a, a master comedian. I mean, I think he's right up there with. You know the, the Dick Van Dykes and and, and whatever. I just uh, he, he was a joy to watch and to behold. I I had the the the, the great opportunity of of working with some tremendous legends, uh, comic legends. B. Arthur. I did three three mods to just watch these people. You know that's your best classroom in, in the world. Mary Tyler Moore show to watch. You know Ted Knight and and Asner and all these people work is a great education. And working with John. Though we were friends and whatever, was also a, a, a great education in comedy. It, it does seem as though if you can do comedy, you can do anything. I mean, this may not be an a, uh, universal statement, but I was even watching uh, little clips of Don Rickles in Casino. So here he is in a <laughs> Scorsese movie. He's not allowed yeah. to be Don Rickles. This is a pretty serious role he's playing. And right. He's kind of beaten down guy, and he's yeah. terrific. And it seems like every time a guy that you know from and watching Ritter do Sling Blade, I mean, you know, it, you, every time you see a guy that you know as a comedian shift into a, a serious role, even God forbid Jerry Lewis going into King of Comedy. Mm-hmm. If you can do comedy, it seems like you can do anything. I it's, think it's the toughest thing in, in show business. Yeah, to do, do comedy. It's, I think. Well, I think comedy is is, is the hardest thing to do. It is. Yeah. yeah. No question about it. Yeah. Dying is easy. Comedy is hard. Right. But that's yeah. why we do it so well. We're talking to Richard Klein and Jerry Adler. Uh, I mentioned James Gandolfini, and there's uh, somebody here who wants to even uh, call about that right now. Here's uh, John in Burlington. Hi, John. How you doing? Good. A uh, question for uh, Mr. Adler. Uh, actually, coincidentally, it's funny. I was just flipping around TV a couple of days ago. There was an episode of uh, Quantum Leap on. I saw you in. <laughs> oh, my Lord. <laughs> but anyway. That's I'm how I got to be an actor. I'm a huge fan. You know, obviously, Hesh was a great character. My question is, I still can't believe Gandolfini's gone. It's a huge bummer. Unbelievable. Oh, 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, ever since I saw him, he kind of broke out in true romance, early 90s, man. I said, yeah. that guy's going somewhere. He would have been one of the great ones if he yeah. had lived uh, When did you realize you were in on the ground floor of such a groundbreaking series? Well, I was hired, uh, actually, uh, David Chase wrote a thing called Northern Exposure, where I played a kind of a fantasy rabbi on it. And uh, when he was doing the pilot for the show, he called me. And he said, I'm doing a show called The Sopranos. I'd love you to do a small part on it. And I said, Sopranos? How do you know? I don't sing or anything. But I didn't realize it was, that was the name of the, of the family. <laughs> so I did the pilot, and I met... Actually, it was this was the first day of The Sopranos. That's mm. where I met Jim, and we did a scene in the in the, in the uh, uh, Baba Baba room. Mm-hmm. And... Um, he was nervous. I was nervous. I didn't know him. He didn't know me. But as soon as we began working on it, you could tell him there was a kind of marvelous talent there. We should just, uh, for, just set the stage, the, to set the stage for this a little bit, too. Hesh is this character. He is the, the one prominent Jewish associate of this group uh, of made guys. I actually, uh, claiming to be doing preparation for my Jerry Adler interview, I watched, rewatched the whole first season of The Sopranos a couple of weekends ago. Uh, I, anybody walked in the room, I said, i got to interview this guy. i got to watch the whole thing all over again. And it's a really interesting role, too, because for the most part, Hesh is very fatherly and nice, and he's he is almost kind of the rabbi to these guys, you know, and, and he's a dispenser of wisdom. Yeah. But underlying that is are these layers of darkness. That's right. You know, I mean, he's he really has had a dark past. Don't forget, he, Hirsch was a precursor mm-hmm. of The Sopranos. Yeah. He and, uh, and Tony's father mm-hmm. were partners in the music business. They used to skim jukeboxes <laughs> together. So they were, and so David actually was writing what became that movie he did after The Sopranos, the one about the boys, boys band. Oh, yeah. That was the original yeah. idea for what he was doing. And then, of course, it became, uh, Hesh became a character on, on The Sopranos. Well, Matter of fact, when he called me, I was only supposed to do in the pilot. I was only supposed to do a little cameo. Mm-hmm. But the network liked the characters, so they kept them on. Yeah, I mean, he he, uh, he clearly is some kind of, you know, there's a there's kind of line running from him to Meyer Lansky and to, yeah, right. to the Hyman Roth character in, right. in, in The Godfather, or mm-hmm. based on Meyer Lansky, I think. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. We've got lots more to talk about with Richard Klein and Jerry Adler. They are doing the Sunshine Boy, Boys at the Jorgensen Theater at UConn Stores. Uh, you should get your tickets now. Um, we should figure out how to tell you how to get your tickets. Oh, he's got the box office number. We'll do we'll, <laughs> All right, we'll we'll do that. We'll do the box office number for them when when we come back. We got to sell some tickets here. It only runs through the 29th, so get your tickets now. All right, uh, we're back, and our guests here are Richard Klein and Jerry Adler. They are starring together in the Sunshine Boys at the Jorgensen Theater at UConn in stores. You can get your tickets at crt.uconn.edu, or Jerry would also enjoy reading the phone number to you. 860-486-2113. 
All right. And do it right away. Yeah, give it to me a little darker this time. Okay. 860-486-2111. You better do it right away. <laughs> right. There we go. 860-275-7266 if you want to talk to these guys. 860-275-7266. I do want to talk a little bit about I mean, you guys have all both had these incredible hits, these incredible successes. You've also just worked on really interesting stuff. And sometimes, as we were saying before we went on the air, it looks like everything's right. And it just it, it, it just one tiny little thing is wrong. And and then boom, it just boom boom, boom. it just it boom, just didn't work out. I mean, Richard Klein, do you have a particular one like that? That, that like I, I was just even noticing, you know, just going over your career. You know, you've been in other TV series, and some of them, like Noah Knows Best and His and Hers, you know, didn't run quite as long as as Three's Company. Well, were there ever ones where you just thought, why isn't this a big hit? Yes, and as recently as uh, well, that's not so recent actually. Uh, we I did a show called Inside Schwartz with mm-hmm. Breck and Meyer, the kid from uh, Road Trip, the movie, mm-hmm. and uh, we followed Friends on NBC. And the pilot uh, Jerry Zucker, I guess, was, was the president of NBC at the time. Loved the pilot. I loved to put it on the air and whatever. And um, and you know, you follow Friends, you, you're getting what they call a lead in in mm-hmm. our business. And so I was. You know, picking out houses online (laughs) 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 a little prematurely. Mm -hmm. And then they started tinkering with it. And the original concept of the the pilot was tinkered with and it became something else. And uh, I I don't know. You know, there's so many cooks spoiling the broth that uh, it went into the tank. Do you, do you find also that there, no matter what it is, there's a set of fans for it? I'll give you an example. Uh, although I had to look up the name of it, and I think I've now forgotten it. But so there was a show that was done, a, a sitcom that was done in the mid 1980s. I think it had Bess Armstrong in it. Uh, it, it had uh, Terrence Knox. It had this incredible role for Carol Kane, and I, I would watch Carol Kane right. do just about anything. <laughs> right, uh, right. And it was set uh, in a soap opera, and it ran for a year, and boom, it was gone. But if you told me it was on tomorrow, I'd go back and watch it. I am part of the group of fans of all is forgiven or whatever the hell the thing is called. Right. You know, right, and do, right. you, do you find that, that no matter what you've done, there is a bunch of people who will just come up to you and go, what happened to Inside Schwartz? How come that was like the best show I ever saw? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, you, the, the, one of the main reasons was that the show was about a, a, a wannabe sportscaster, Breckenmeyer. I was his father. And so he would have these fantasy trips where he would he would mention a name like he he would say Magic Johnson and so they would have Magic Johnson as as the guest star right or Bill Walton or or uh, Bill Buckner who let the ball drop and go through his legs in the Mets in 1986 and uh for example there was one line with Bill Buckner he, he oh he he uh, Breckenmeyer's uh, friend platonic girlfriend says you know, you're terrible at dating. You're, you're the Bill Buckner of dating. And boom, <laughs> in, comes, in comes Bill Buckner. And he go, Bill Buckner goes, I let one lousy ball go through my legs, and I'm you know, living it down forever. <laughs> and so there's people, I guess sports fans, who say, oh, what happened to Inside Schwartz? We love that show. So, yes, you're right. It does yeah. happen. Uh, were all those athletes relatively easy to get to do their lines? or I mean, they're not natural actors. Oh, they, didn't, they didn't have the – one, the one that I do remember who was like a natural was Keith Hernandez, who's mm-hmm. now a Met sportscaster, but he was you know, a big St. Louis Cardinals and Met uh, ball player. Well, he did something on Seinfeld too eventually, right? <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. Yes, he did. Yes, so he, he did. He may be a natural natural. Yes, he was very natural. And he's a great commentator on, on baseball. Oh, yeah. yeah. So Jerry Adler, I did uh, tons of research about you too. Uh, well, I, I did. Yeah. I got a call to do a play on Broadway mm. written by Elaine May, right. directed by Alan Arkin, starring Matthew Broderick and Parker Posey 
and um, Jerry Adler. Jerry, Jerry Adler, Adler, yeah. Right? So you figure, hey, I'm going to be in this smash hit, <laughs> right? Right. Taller than a dwarf. So you called. read the script. It's okay, it was had a terrible title called Taller Than a Dwarf. Anyway, you read the script, and it's not so good. But we're going to go to Boston, and we're going to do five weeks in Boston. So what are they going to do? Elaine May, she's going to rewrite the whole thing and make it great, right? <laughs> right. Five weeks in Boston, didn't change a word. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Came into New York, and boom. Yeah. It, um, I looked up the, the Bruce Weber uh, review in the New York Times. When the word disastrous is in the first line, in, <laughs> right. in Elaine May's disastrous new comedy, you don't have to read the rest of the review, actually. Yeah. I, I did this show uh, at the, for Joe Papp at, um, at the Mitzi Newhouse. It was the first show at the Mitzi Newhouse Theater uh, at Lincoln Center. Troils and Cressida, right, mm-hmm. with Christopher Walken, Charles Kimbrough, uh, Richard Mazur, uh, leaving out some big name. Anyway, yeah. it was great. To, and a young buck from Yale was directing it, uh, Who Shall Remain Nameless. Anyway. You know it's uh, a great play. Though. Uh, yeah. But it's a great play and, <laughs> and great design. And Joe Papp was there overseeing the whole thing and whatever. But Oh, Lenny Fry. Lenny Fry mm. was the chorus. It oh, came God. out and said, a hilarious guy. And uh, it was just a very you know deconstructed, avant-garde uh, rendering of, of the thing. <laughs> For example, uh, Chris Walken was playing Achilles with a lime green uh, a Speedo and a lime green boa and a trident. Okay? I was, uh, I was his, uh, in the show, Patro- Patroclus or Patroclus, whatever the hell his name mm. was, and, and I was, you know, Achilles' lover, and I came in in tennis shorts with, with a tennis racket and a tennis sweater. Anyway, so... We're going. We're, we're walking up the steps at the first dress rehearsal <laughs> for the show, and Charles Kimbrough is in front of me, the actor. And at one point, he turns to me and says, "You know, we're in a turkey." <laughs> <laughs> and John Simon is a critic of New York Magazine. He had a field day. Right. A, he used every every expletive that you could possibly use without, you know. These are the things that happen. Standards and practice. Right. They sneak up on right. you, boy. And yeah. In the words, words of Hyman Roth, this is the business we've chosen. This is the business we've chosen. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, is that uh, – was that – was Charles Kimbrough's line – was that already universal among the cast? It was like, we're going to die. We're going to die doing this show. Or, was, uh, were, or there, do there tend to be glimmers of hope? Like, this might really come together in a very avant-garde way and be talked about no, for years. No, actually, actually, there was there was kind of a pall <laughs> 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 through the latter stages of rehearsal. And when we saw the costumes and the set and went, oh, I forgot to mention, it's Troilus and Cressida. They had a dead stuffed horse on stage. That inside, you know, was paper mache, but inside the belly of the horse was a speaker. So the music for the production was coming out of the horse, and people were like, and so at one point, one of the actors direct was directed to kick the horse in this music play. I mean, it was like it was insane. Somebody must have been on some sort of psychedelic drug, whatever. I was rehearsing a show, and uh, we knew it wasn't very good. And my assistant stage manager, I was a stage manager show. The assistant stage manager handed me a note very surreptitiously. It said L-F-O-W. Mm. L-F-O-W. I couldn't figure what it was. I said, what is L-F-O-W? He said, look for other work. <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> well, and we don't, I don't want to dwell on these because you guys have also been in so many different triumphs, and we'll actually talk about some of the triumphs as we go along. But, you know, as I was re- getting ready for the show, researching stuff, I'm, I, I'm researching Jerry Adler, and I'm looking at 
The Little Prince and the Aviator, the musical. Oh, my and God. And it has Michael York and oh. Ellen Green. And oh, my God. Somebody else really good, too. I can't remember who it was. And, and Hugh Wheeler's behind it. And I just, once again, you know, one of these things where it looks like it got, it's got every thing that you could possibly want. And the costume designer, the costume designer was <laughs> Julie Tamer. Oh. Who became. Yeah, I know. She's everything now. The great director yeah. of, of Broadway. Yeah. And and did but I was the stage manager. I wasn't. You, you were know, the director. Okay. I was the stage manager, and they fired the director. Battlefield promotion. And they all turned to me and said, "Jerry, you do it now. <laughs> you saved the show." Wow. <laughs> wow. First of all, it's about an. Uh, as you know, it's a story of an airplane. Yeah, right? I know. Right. Yeah, and yeah. the set w- was a box. They put the airplane in the box. <laughs> Where are you going to go from there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but it's it's a story you can tell later. All right, <laughs> our, our number eight six zero two seven five seven two six six eight six zero two seven five seven two six six. And um, so we should tell uh, some some uh, some other kinds of stories here. And uh, you guys have both got millions of them. But um, but you know, you, you, maybe you could just tell a, a my fair lady story because this is another example of uh, you know. Uh, Julie Andrews, right, was not necessarily everybody, everybody was not 100% sure Julie Andrews was going to do something like well, that. Well, she be was, able to, it was a, uh, I think our second show, she was only 19 years old. She talked right old. into that microphone. She was 19 years old. Yeah. We did this, uh, we opened in New Haven, the Schubert Theater in New Haven, mm-hmm. on a night that was just snow blizzard. It was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And we're doing the dress rehearsal. In the middle of the dress rehearsal, Rex Harris stops us and says, You know what? I'm not doing this show. <laughs> Mossy, and he calls Moss hot out in the air. Mossy, I'm not opening in this show. As a matter of fact, I'm leaving. And he walks out of it, goes into his dressing room and slams the door. And we're all standing around. We hadn't even finished a dress rehearsal. So they brought lawyers and everything. And after a couple of hours, and I released the whole company and told them we're going to rehearse later on at the Jewish Community Center up the block in the street. And uh, about 20 minutes later, Moss hot comes out and says, Gather the players. We're opening tonight. Now, we had never done the show. <laughs> mm. The show ran almost four hours. Mm. Before it actually went on, Moss Hart came out in front of the curtain and said, uh, we've been having a lot of problems, but I will tell you what uh, my favorite author once said to me, we depend upon the kindness of strangers. <laughs> <laughs> we did this thing. Four hours, the audience was screaming, laughing, applauding, uh-huh. cheering mm. for That's the great. whole four hours. That's great. But I thought I read also that you and some other people had to take Julie Andrews off aside, even for a few days, like off to the country or something like that, and persuade her that she was the star we and were, she had to act yeah, like the star. We were in rehearsal for about about 10 days, and she was very nervous. And uh, Moss gave everybody the day off on this Saturday. Mm-hmm. We spent the weekend together, Biffleff and I, mm-hmm. Moss and Julie, and we did this thing, and he instilled upon her the fact that she was the star of the show. That was the psychology of the weekend. She is the star of the show. As a matter of fact, the first night we did the show, and they did the rain in Spain, and the audience went berserk, and mm. they were screaming and carrying on, and the, three was, and the three of them were sitting on the couch. And she turns to the two guys and says, okay, guys, let's get up and take a bow. Ah. <laughs> uh. That great? That's a great story. And and Richard Klein, some of that is uh, the fun. I mean, you've done so much theater over over the recent years. People know you for television. You've done so much theater. And and in theater, something like that can happen, or something completely 
unanticipated can happen, something that no one could anticipate uh, can happen. And you sort of have to be ready for that. You have to be able to I, – I watched the damn Yankees uh, open down at uh, Goodspeed Opera House this summer, and one of the guys in the chorus threw his bat, and he was supposed to catch it, and as he caught it, he fell into the orchestra pit. He was oh fine. <laughs> he was fine. You know, he sort of covered it and stuff like that. I mean, that's got to be – there's going to be an adrenaline there that you can't get doing a TV show where you can always fix Absolutely. something. Absolutely. I love theater. I started with theater. I'm a classically trained actor. I've done Shakespeare or whatever. I, uh, it, it, that's why I moved. Actually, eight years ago, I moved from Los Angeles back to the East Coast. I'm from the East Coast. And uh, what's to do more theater? Mm. Um, because, yes, as you say, I love the adrenaline rush. And, and every night it's different. And you have to be on your toes. But as an actor, I've never really been on stage. This is really my second is that acting really true? role on stage. Yes. Really? Yeah. Because you worked in the theater behind the scenes. but Behind the scenes. Then I became a television actor. And, and I did movies, but I've never done. Wow. I did that one play on Broadway. It's the only play okay. I've ever done on Broadway. Right. And this. Um, we're going to take a quick break here. Uh, we've got uh, one final segment with these guys. Uh, lots more stories to tell, lots more things to talk about. Uh, but uh, also what you want to do is uh, do what we told you before and get your tickets to the Sunshine Boys at the Jorgensen Theater at the University of Connecticut. Uh, we'll have, uh, ne- not now, but uh, when we come back, we'll have Jerry read the number again. For a lost I was just checking my IMDb entry, and apparently I acted for four years on a sitcom called Angels in the Bathroom, and I have no memories of this. Today's show was produced by Betsy Kaplan and me. Our intern is Josh Nalea. Greg Hill tweets for us at WNPR Colin and appeared in the introduction. The part of Bill Curry was played by Martin Mole. For show pages, articles, and clips of the Faith Middleton Show staff in the role of Sister Stephanie on the Father Dowling Mysteries, visit our website, wnpr.org. On tomorrow's show, the nose gets high with Maureen Dowd. And now... Back to Colin. That's not literally going to happen, but Maureen Dowd this right this week did write a rather harrowing column about her uh, visit to Colorado and uh, eating a hashish cookie and what <laughs> happened after that. And it was uh, it was a Maureen Dowd that we never knew uh, and maybe never wanted to know. Anyway, we'll be talking about that tomorrow. Right now, uh, we're talking to Richard Klein. We're talking to Jerry Adler. Uh, they're appearing in the Sunshine Boys uh, out at the University of Connecticut, out of uh, Connecticut Repertory Theater. And uh, the number to call if you want tickets, Jerry Adler, is eight six zero. Right, you get the eight six zero four eight six two one one three. All right, um, and um, so we've got tons of things to talk about. Oh, you know, Richard Klein. Before we uh, run out of time here, one thing. I mean, both of you guys are have been involved recently in television shows that have uh, quite a bit of critical cachet attached to them. And and I, I had until I got ready for today's show, I had not picked up the fact that you ha- have been on a couple of episodes of The Americans. I don't know whether you're coming back yet to do that. But I, don't, I don't know neither. Maybe you could call my agent. I'll, I'll call you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I know people. I could probably find out for you. Thank but, you. Um, but and so you play uh, for people who watch The Americans. Uh, he plays the father of Martha, and Martha is. I mean, this this is a really interesting subplot in what is a pretty fascinating series because this is about Russian spies who are living as moles undercover in the United States. And the male spy befriends and then ultimately, quote unquote, marries this woman whom he is totally exploiting. And and the violation of the intimacy 
between the two of them, the violation of her person, to me is more horrifying than any other kind of espionage that's going on in the show. There's something more horrifying about that. I think so. And what's even more horrifying is that they're both Brits and they both have lost their accents on the show. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Both actors are from, from London. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it's interesting when you see uh, – that, that's increasingly the case, though. You're watching a TV show, and then you see some little interview. You know, it started with Hugh Laurie, I think. You know, you'd watch him on House, and then right. you'd hear him be interviewed. And, go, Wait and, a minute, and the lead talk. actor on Homeland, yeah. uh, uh, Damien Lewis. Lewis. Yeah. He's English. Yeah. 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 Where do you shoot it? The Americans. The Americans? Oh, good Lord. Where did we in shoot it? In the East? He doesn't remember. In the e- no, it's in the East, <laughs> but um, – Oh, out in Brooklyn. Out in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yeah. Oh, studio in Brooklyn, yeah. Oh, near me over in Goodway. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah they yeah. got a great studio mm. there. Oh, yeah. So that would be the kind of series, too, where they wouldn't want you to know too much about the future plot or anything like that, right? Exactly. I imagine you exactly. get your script and that's it and get out of here and it, don't tell anybody what you just did. Exactly. But it's a very good show. Yeah. No, I'm completely hooked on it's it. It's like what happened with the uh, killing off of Josh uh, Clark on uh, – Josh Clark. Josh Charles. Josh Charles. Yeah. On uh, good Willie good Clark. Good He's playing Willie Clark. I'm calling him Josh Clark. <laughs> <laughs> on The Good Wife. That's right. right. Tell him that story. That's a great We were story. all sworn to secrecy. Mm. Yeah. Well, actually, Josh had told me three months before that he wanted to leave the show and try something new. Right. And he wanted to go on, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, Michael, uh, uh, you know, the Kings, they, they made sure that nobody was allowed to say one word about it. Mm-hmm. We were all sworn, and we did. Yeah. It was a total shock, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Nobody oh, my God, it. yes. It was unbelievable. Yes. What's interesting was that he died in the episode, and then he directed the next one. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's the, I want to direct. That's you know, it. I want to, okay, you have to die then. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I always right. want to be a director. Our number is 860-275-7266 if anybody wants to call in uh, about this. I, I want to get uh, hear a little bit about some future projects here. You, Jerry Adler, are going to be in a movie with Jessica Chastain and Oscar, Oscar Isaac. Just and, finished. It was yeah. called uh, A Most Violent Year. Yeah. Very interesting show. Anything you can say about You'll that? You'll never be able to recognize me. Yeah. I play a Hasidic... <laughs> guy in this thing with the full beard and <laughs> thing and the hat and the, <laughs> nobody will know who the hell I am. I say, I'm in this movie. They say, oh, you're in the movie? What did you play? Yeah. Then nobody's going to recognize me. It's a pretty fancy talent in the, uh, I mean, they're both very hot right now. Oscar's a very good actor. He's a good actor, yeah. Lovely guy. Yeah, I mean, Inside Lewin Davis is the main thing. Yeah. Uh, Actually, when he was, we had a call up for rehearsal one day because he had to audition for something in Paris. He had to go meet the director in Paris. Turns out it was for the new uh, Star Wars. Mm. Oh my goodness! And he so got he's the part. Star Wars, yeah. He oh. got the part, yeah. And and so, and Richard Klein, I know you're getting ready a Liber- Liberace role. Tell us about this. Ooh. It's a it's a new musical called All That Glitters. It's been in development for about ten years. We did a workshop two years ago. You play what Liberace? I play Liberace. Thank oh you very much. Oh my god! <laughs> yes, I'm. Thank the young you. one or the old one? I play the old one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and. Um, uh, it's just the score is, is extraordinary. Actually, I was playing a little bit for Jerry in, yeah. the, in the rehearsal hall. So who wrote that? That's gorgeous. Yeah, it's an unknown writer, but we have some knowns doing the creatives. Uh, Bob Mackey's doing the costumes. Mm. Uh, John Arnone is doing the sets, and um, it's about the, it. It it really has nothing to do with the uh, HBO special with Michael Douglas and Matt Damon. It's um, it's. It chronicles the life of Liberace from when he was a 10-year-old. So there's a 10-year-old Liberace, prodigy. There's the middle Liberace in his 30s who uh, makes his mark in high-end supper clubs and then has the TV show. Mm -hmm. And then my part starts with where I first meet Scott Thorson 
and goes to the end of the death with AIDS, and then there's, of course, a resurrection. There's flying. There's everything in it. There's <laughs> a lot of rhinestones. Uh, flying? Flying? Yes, actually, I fly in, yeah. You have to wear the rig? Well, well, well Liberace, in, 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 in his act in Vegas, and also in Radio City Musical, which, by the way, he sold out for, like, 35 performances, uh, he's at the piano, and he's rigged, to then fly, fly and oh. said, and he goes, "Eat your heart out, Mary Poppins." <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. Are you you're not, you're not afraid of the flying? I'm not afraid of flying. Wow. Um, and, and can you play piano? Yes, I can. Yes, you can. It's not, not specifically very well, <laughs> playing <laughs> playing the thing with yeah. the chopsticks. Yeah. Um, no, I, I play quite well, but it's not specifically written in the script. Mm. There's so much else going on. But I asked the producers. I said. You know, at some point we got to turn the piano around, and this, you know, m- miming piano that I'm doing, which is coming from the orchestra pit. If they see me playing live, I think it would be kind of neat. So we'll see what happens. You wow. know, I'm old enough to re- to remember Liberace, but I never understood why he was popular. I mean, w- what was? Oh it? my God, he yeah. was wildly, wildly popular. Yeah, it was incredibly popular. Yeah, he was a terrific showman. He was making all sorts of money in the fifties that that are incredible to, by today's standards. He was making three hundred thousand dollars a week playing at the, the Hilton, and uh, but he appealed to, of course, he appealed to women of a certain age, and mm-hmm. he appealed to women mainly. But women would drag their husbands along and boyfriends along, and the boyfriends would go, ah, I don't want to go see the Liberace, you know, blah, blah, blah. And once they're there, he's, he put on such a show that the husbands were, like, you know, cheering and wanting wanting more. So his appeal was that he just wanted to, to please. He, he, you know, his Moliere's line, I aim to please, he just wanted to please his audience, and he was very, very good at it. He was very good at self-promotion, and he knew his tongue was firmly planted in his che- mm. cheek when he put on those outfits, <laughs> whatever they were, you know, uh, feathers to the cows come home. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> people were waiting for it, and he knew that they were waiting for it. Wasn't he the first one to do that kind of show? Now all the rock stars are doing exactly Well, he inspired people like Lady Gaga and, right. and, and, and Elton right. John. Elton John was a mm. huge fan of his. And he was the first one to do it. Yes. Um, well, we can't wait. No, do we, do we? Is there a plan for this? Do we know? It, 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 we start rehearsals in New York in October, and it opens initially at the Golden Gate Theater in, in San Francisco in December, mm. and hopefully coming to Broadway after that. Oh. And he's going to fly to San Francisco. Dress <laughs> <laughs> uh, warmly. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, we we got a finite amount of time. There's a whole bunch of stuff that I, I want to make sure that we get to do. Um, I did want you to tell, speaking of entertainers of that era, uh, that's the only <laughs> segue that I can make, uh, although a very different kind of entertainer. Uh, you got to tell the Catherine Hepburn story, the story about Catherine Hepburn and the construction workers. Oh, my. Look, I did a show called Coco where she played uh, you know, the French designer, and we uh, didn't go out of town because uh, it was too big a show. And they were constructing the Minskart Theater bu- uh, office building across the street. Mm. And uh, the first matinee that we had to do, uh, she had a little, kind of a little uh, small, quiet song at the beginning of the second act. And so she began to do it. And you could hear the jackhammers across the street and the theater would shake a little bit and make a lot of noise. And I obviously could see that she was very disturbed about this. And after the matinee, she called me into her dressing room and she says, go across the street and tell those guys that when I sing my little song, they should stop work. <laughs> you go out on the stand, you whistle, and then when you whistle, they'll stop work. I said, I can't do shit. <laughs> so I went over there. I, went, I got a hold of the head guy who in one of those buildings that they have mm-hmm. outside. 
And I said, listen, Miss Hepburn is in the matinee, and she wants you to stop work when she's singing one of the songs. He looked at me like I was from the moon. <laughs> he and three other guys threw me out of the building, and I went over there. I said, Kate, they're not, they're not going to do that. It's yeah. too excited. They're not going to yeah. stop working on a building when you... She gets up, walks out of the theater, goes across the street, gets in the elevator. Hmm. You know the one of those outdoor elevators? Yes, 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 yes. Goes yes. all the way up 60 stories, and stops on every floor, and arranges that when I step out the stage door and whistle, this building will stop work. That's a great story. The entire run of the show, every Wednesday, they <laughs> stopped work. I love that. I love God bless her. Yeah. Her will is too strong. Great woman. Yeah. You know, Richard Galano, I wanted to ask you, obviously, Three's Company has been a great thing for you. And, uh, you know, I mean, uh, just uh, every actor wants something like that, a play, uh, an, an iconic role that you'll never be forgotten for that obviously also made you, I would imagine, quite a bit of money uh, over the years. Um on the other hand, I was reading some reviews of some of the fine stage work you've done, and I'm kind of amazed that it's like a critic can't get through a review without, okay, here's, you're, you're doing class at the Penguin Rep. Elliot, the person you play, is a fabulous character when he's being nasty, which is often. Mr. Klein, who is making his fourth Penguin Rep appearance, uh, is, uh, is less convincing when he turns nice. Maybe those of us who admit uh, to having watched sitcoms in the 1970s and 80s still want to think of him as John Ritter's lying, womanizing, used car salesman pal on Three's Company. Um, we just have trouble buying him as a sincere, much older man. <laughs> That's got to be a little frustrating in some ways to to not have the performance that you're being you're giving be taken at at its own face value. Yeah, I I uh, thank you for re- thank you for reading that because I don't usually read reviews because the good ones you think you're great and the yeah. bad ones you think you suck. So. Um, Whoever wrote that, what was that Anita Gates or whatever? Yeah, it was so, somebody in the New York Times. Uh, was Anita Anita Gates. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I feel bad for that perspective that they can't see through uh, what was. And yeah, I'm going to blow my own whistle here. It was really, really good work. And actually, uh, the, the review that you got was I was reading the one part that had to do with that. You got a very good review. The person. Uh, it was a wonderful two hand. It was it was very well written. It was a big stretch for me. Whatever. Uh, and and. Um, as a matter of fact, one of your compatriots, Vince Cortola from oh, uh, yeah, Sopranos, yeah. he mm-hmm. came to see the show, and he he was very complimentary. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> look, yeah. look uh, you know, you, the show is in syndication, been in syndication for like 30-some-odd years now. It, it's, it's difficult to get through some people's perceptions, but it doesn't bother me. I just do the work, blah, 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 and go on to the next one. Yeah. yeah. And the residuals think yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> the residuals at this yeah, and the residuals at this at this point are are, are, are minimal. <laughs> um, you know, uh, we broke off at one point. I think because of the call that we got, and I, I didn't let you, um, Jerry Adler, tell. A James Gandolfini story, other than the one where you're auditioning. Uh, you know, uh, Richard had spoken so beautifully about uh, John Ritter. Gandolfini, also a guy we thought we'd have for 20, 30, 40 right. more years. Um, this was one of the great guys. Yeah. Don't forget, remember that year, uh, there was one year where he held, a, he held a production because he wanted this big raise. He wanted to get a mu- <laughs> like a million dollars a show. And, of course, all, all the publicity was about that. But behind the scenes, what he was doing was getting a raise for everybody in the cast. Mm-hmm. And he did that. He got everybody a raise. Otherwise, he wasn't going to go on. That's the kind of guy he was. Yeah. Did, and 
in doing a production like that where you really are embodying this subculture, you know, and it's – I mean, does it start to feel and, – and you maybe you've got a few guys around who aren't complete strangers to that actual subculture in the cast. Do, do you start to feel more acquainted with all that? Do you start to feel that it's a, a little bit more real to you? We had real hoodlums on the yeah. show. We had guys who were really – had been in jail. We had guys who had been in penitentiaries. We had – I mean, we were – we were the mafia of Queens. It was wild. We did the show at the uh, uh, Silver Cup factory over right. in, in Long Island City. Mm. And uh, these guys would come on the train, and you know, and the police would look at them like they knew them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, one thing that we've been noticing just doing the show is the way that you guys talk to one another. And, and obviously you're – you're playing uh, in the Sunshine Boys, guys who know each other, don't like each other, and you guys clearly <laughs> do like each other. D- did you know each other before this? Is this your no, first exposure no, to one another? No, we yeah. met, uh, no. We met but, last Thursday. But when my, one, of the reason, one of the reasons that I came to Connecticut uh, to do this, the other being, of course, I have no life, <laughs> is that uh, no, my agent told me that, that Jerry was doing it, and I said, I'm in. That's nice I, love, I love his work. That's nice of you. Um, because it, it does seem as though you have, I mean, maybe you're getting to know each other even more a little bit in, over the course of this hour, but you, there se- does seem to be a rapport growing. And I, I, is that natural? Do you mean do you? I think you get used to the kind of the other guy's rhythm, and it, it becomes uh, one of the things that we use in the show yeah. so that we can play off each other. Yeah. At this point in rehearsal, though, we're having trouble. Cracking each other up. <laughs> There's a couple of instances where I make an entrance or whatever, and Jerry's just standing there looking at me, and I can't look at him because it just it makes me laugh. There's a very funny moment. Though, yeah. yeah, I'm yeah. I'm embarrassed to say that I've never seen the Sunshine Boys in any of its oh incarnations. My oh my god! Well, god. here's the the number yeah. call. Yeah, what, is, what is the number that I would call? Eight six zero four eight six two one one three. You better hurry up, really. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's a short run. Here. Out. Yeah, is it is it a two person show or is there a cast around you guys? I don't even know that. Are there other people? In the uh, show? There are other people. Oh, really? <laughs> and Colin, I'll tell you something. If you don't read another bad review of mine, I will no. get you a comp. <laughs> it's a we deal. have uh, I've got like show. 40 of them here in this iPad, so I'll just spike them right now. All we, right. Have, we have Tina Fabrique in the show. We yeah. have Robert Ruiz in the show. We have a very fine cast and a great director named Vincent Cardinal, who All is right. also the head of the drama department over the university. Uh, I can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. If you are going to love it. If you've never seen it, you're going to fall in. You're going to fall in the aisle. I like Neil and, Simon. And Who doesn't like Neil Simon? Colin, come backstage and then you know remind me who you are. All right, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, Richard Klein and Jerry Adler. So great to visit with you, with you. With you, the play is the Sunshine Boys at the Jorgensen Theater. Get your tickets now. We said the phone number enough times, but check our website too, wnpr.org. We'll have all the information up there about how you can uh, follow these guys around. All of you come backstage. I'm Kion Wolf, and I'm thrilled to announce that I've won the role of dead body number two in Poultry Geist, Night of the Chicken Dead. Progress, people, progress. <laughs>